Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we open the word together. Our precious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your abiding word, your everlasting word, your precious promises, these powerful truths we we hold in our hands when we open your book. And God, I pray this morning that our spiritual eyes and hearts and minds would be wide open for your word to pour right into our hearts and minds and lives to teach and instruct and encourage and equip and even correct in many, many ways. Lord, we need correcting. We need our thinking set straight. And we ask for your work in our hearts today and always to do that with your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you go with me to Second Timothy chapter 4? 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4 this morning. Itching ears and forsaken truth. That's what you're going to see in the text this morning. Itching ears and forsaken truth. May it not be among us that we have itching ears and we forsake the truth. May we never. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Look at them with me in your copy of God's Word. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I asked last week, should we quit preaching? Should we quit preaching God's Word? Why should we keep preaching the Word? I, I answered that question last week. I want to do it again this week. Why, why should we keep preaching the Word? Why should a pastor continue to preach the Word when there are some today who think that preaching is no longer the given method for communicating the truth to God's people? Which just astounds me, because how could you read the Bible and not come away thinking that you're supposed to preach the Word and think you're supposed to do something else? Because in the text we looked at, looked at last week, it was very, very explicit. Preach the Word, Timothy, Paul says. Right? In verse 2. In verse 1, we, we learn that the pastor must preach. It's commanded. We must preach. And because the pastor will answer to God for whether or not he properly uses what God has given him, the word, he must preach. Verse 1, look at it again with me, back up to verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. That is a, that is a charge to Timothy. Timothy, do not forget that God's eye is on you, and he is watching your ministry, and here's how you find God's approval. Verse 2, preach the word. It is the word preached that brings change to lives. It is the word preached that brings change to lives. And it's imperative that the pastor preach the word and not something else. For instance, himself. Preacher's not supposed to preach himself or his own ideas or opinions, no matter how good he thinks they are. And I think my ideas and opinions are the best in the room. <laughs> the preacher must preach God's word. It's not the opinions of the preacher that matter. If, if I say, if I give you an opinion, I hope I classify it as such. Here's my opinion, right? So you can say, well, you know, that doesn't matter. 
If it doesn't jive with God's word, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't align with the truth, you can say that, right? The preacher must preach God's word because it's it's not the opinions of, of me. It's not even your opinions that matter. It's God's opinion that matters. God has given us his word and the imperative to preach the word because God's word has the power to change lives. And when we quit preaching God's word, we've given up. Because we've given up on the thing that changes lives, the thing that God has given us and equipped us with that changes the hearts and minds of men and women and young people in this world who need changing. Among us being the foremost, right, we need to change. God's word is given to us for that purpose. Shape us in the image of Christ. Paul put it like this when writing to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's a powerful statement. Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I am your servant for Jesus' sake. We are one another's servants. This is the attitude that we ought to have. Higgins Lake Baptist Church... At Higgins Lake Baptist Church, we should be servants of one another for Jesus' sake. And a, and a major portion of what happens here at Higgins Lake Baptist Church had better be centered around the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Verse 1 is a serious charge to the pastor, for he will answer to God over whether or not he preached the Word of God. Don't ask me to stop preaching the Word. I don't think you're going to. I'm just telling you. Don't ask me to stop preaching the word. Because I'm going to answer to God, and I take what he thinks about me to be more serious than what you think about me. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here. I'm just trying to be truthful with you that this is, what we, this is how we ought to think, because this is what God's word says. And to depart from the truth of God's word is a very serious matter, one that if you let me get away with, you will be held accountable for as a church. Right? And one I will be held accountable for if I depart from the truth. In verse 2, we, we learned how pastors are, are to preach. We learned how they're to preach. Verse 2 says that the preacher must be ready in season and out of season, and that means whether preaching the word is popular or not. And often in our day, in many churches in our day, preaching the word is not popular, but you're supposed to keep preaching whether it's popular or not, whether it seems there's a lot of fruit or a little fruit or no fruit at all. Keep preaching the word. And just as an interesting side note here, throughout Second Timothy, Paul says nothing about watching for and counting the results to Timothy. I think that's interesting. Nothing in Second Timothy. Timothy, keep track of how many people are in attendance and, and paying attention and, and taking notes and, and, you know, none of that. Nothing about keeping track of the results. It's all about what? Being faithful. Keep doing the right thing no matter what. It's all about remaining faithful. Preach, teach, do what God commands and leave the results in his hands. We ought to be interested in the results, but we ought not be hung up on them because when we get hung up on the results, we're going to be changing our ways away from the ways that God has made very clear that we ought to be staying in. It's all about remaining faithful. Reprove, which means warn of error, rebuke, 
which means correct or set in the right way, and exhort, which means teach and come alongside the hearer to lovingly show the way. And all of that, Paul gave the charge to Timothy and the the charges for pastors today and the church today, all of that with complete patience and teaching. And you need patience because change doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes, as I've indicated, you may not even notice that there is change. It may not be apparent to me. It may not be apparent to you. But we preach the word because this is what works. It's not we don't do what we see works. We do what God says works. And we can come up with a lot of convoluted methods for communicating the gospel. But if we depart from the preaching of the word, we're getting away from what God says works. And, And we ought to be more concerned with what God says works. God says his word works. His word is like a two edged sword that pierces to the soul. We want the word. We need the word to pierce our souls and pierce the souls of those who hear the gospel preached. Be patient, be faithful, and keep teaching because it does take time. In verse 1, there's a warning uh, to to pastors. The pastor is going to be held accountable as to whether he preaches God's word. In verses 3 and 4, there's a warning about the people. So in verse 1, the warning is to the pastor This is how you're going to be held accountable, whether or not you preach the word or not. Here's how you preach the word. Here's the way, and here's why, and here's how to do it in verse 2. And then in verses 3 and 4, there's a warning about the people. The pastor must preach because it's the one thing people need most. But it's possible they're going to think they don't need to hear the preaching of God's word. It's possible that that could happen. Never among you, right? You would never think that you don't need preaching, right? No amen. You would never think, you would not give you another chance. You would never think that you don't need your preaching, right? You need to say amen at a point like that. I'm just suggesting. But, But there's a serious challenge here to us as a people in verse 3 because it is possible that we could be numbered among these who think we don't need preaching, think we don't need to hear the gospel preached. Look at verse 3. Paul tells Timothy in verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Now, this is a warning about those to whom Timothy was going to be preaching and was preaching to, it's a warning about, it really is a warning about the last days because this is really a kind of a prophetic statement here by Paul. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. It's a warning about the last days, the days between Christ's first coming and his return. Uh, Timothy was in those days. We're still in those days. And so this is a warning about those to whom the word is preached today. And this is to be taken just as seriously as Timothy was to take it. Keep preaching the word, for the time is coming, Timothy. I can put my name there, I suppose. Keep preaching the word, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Interesting, this is much like the warning back in chapter 3. Why don't you go back there with me, just back up a bit to chapter 3 and verse 1. Verses 1 through 5, Paul tells Timothy, but understand this. Here's another prophetic statement that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And to that we could say that was almost ripped from today's headlines, right? Timothy the pastor, and the pastor today, must preach the word, being diligent to teach the truth from the scriptures, because if you don't, the word will slip away from the hearts and minds of the people, and and the word will have no effect it will not lose its power, but it will lose its power for them. They, it will lose its effect on them when they shun the word and turn to something else. I want you to note and think about this with me, that the word will not lose its power and effectiveness. If you ever hear somebody say, well, the Bible just doesn't do anything for me anymore. I'd say that's a personal problem. Because that's not the word that's not effective for you. It's that you're not listening to the Word. You're not yielding to the Word. You're not being obedient to it. Note that the Word will not lose its power and effectiveness, but the people who care little for it and reject it for something else are not going to be challenged by it any longer. Their spiritual eyes are going to be blind and their hearts are going to become closed to the truth. There may have been a time when they listened, but they are going to begin to turn away and reject the truth for something much weaker and we keep preaching the word in season and out of season, whether it's what people are asking for or not, because it's what they need. I keep preaching the word week in and week out because I don't know that you've ever asked me to preach, have you? Maybe you did. I think you did when you called me here, didn't you? I keep preaching week in and week out because that's what you need. You need it. I need it. Think about why you service, well, of all things, think about why you service your automobile for illustration's sake. Your car's oil needs to be changed regularly, right? Why? To prevent premature engine wear. We, there's a joke in my family that um, all of my older brother's cars are maintenance-free cars. One time my dad asked him, is your battery a maintenance-free battery? There was a day when they weren't, right? I kind of remember those days. There was a day when a battery wasn't maintenance-free. You had to take the caps off and make sure the water levels were right. Um, my dad asked my brother many years ago, is your battery maintenance-free? My brother's reply, all my batteries are maintenance-free. All my batteries, all your cars. I, I, there was a time when, he, when my brother had, uh, he would, if, he'd probably going to listen to this off the internet. Every once in a while he'd email me and say, good message. He listened to me. So if he hears this, he, he'll know I'm talking about him here. But he, there was a time when he lost two car engines in two weeks because... Didn't do maintenance on a regular basis, you know. So it's a it's a bad thing if you don't do maintenance on your cars. What happens, right? They they start to fall apart. They start to fall. Your car needs its oil changed regularly. You you need to check those hoses and belts. Why? So they don't burst or break in at the at the worst time, right? And they usually do. And there's never really a good time for that to happen. But you do that maintenance. You change your air filter so you can get clean air into your engine so it'll work properly so you'll have good fuel economy and, and the like. Now, you may be like me, and you may not want to do those kinds of things. I don't know. There aren't too many. But some of you are weird, and you really like doing car care. And you really like doing maintenance on your vehicles. When something breaks, you go, yes, I can fix it, you know. To me, it's a, it's a worst thing in the world when something like that happens. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't fix that. 
I'm very grateful because there are some people in this room who have been very kind to me in helping me fix things that I don't know how to fix, and I praise God for you. But we do that kind of maintenance because we know that if it doesn't get done, there's going to be a day when something serious goes wrong, right? Now, it seems like the word is in season here today. And it seems like you're listening intently to the preaching of the word and you want to hear the, the word preached. And, and I would say the word is in season. Would you? The word's in season. There might be a day when, you know, I get scowls and I hope that never comes. I get, you know, remarks about my preaching that, that make me think you don't want to hear it anymore. And we preach the word because we're preparing for the day that you, you need it so that you don't break down. Right? We're preparing you for the day when you need it. So when you're confronted with a serious issue, a serious problem, a serious conf- uh, confrontation to your faith in Lord Jesus Christ, that you are well equipped and well prepared and able to deal with it. We preach the word because we're commanded to do so and it's necessary and it's good for us. We preach the word and Paul says, preach the word, Timothy, because the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They're not going to put up with it. And the people Paul is writing about here are likely not those who are not in the church. We're not talking about those who are outside the church. We have illustration upon illustration, even in today's news, you know, the news we watched this week that, that reminds us that the world doesn't put up with God's word. You know, the world doesn't put up with teaching and preaching, right? But what Paul is telling Timothy as he says there's going to be a day in the church when there are those in the church who don't don't put up with preaching. And that's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about, about those outside the church. He's talking about those who are in the church yet who are not genuine believers. And Paul warns that there may be a time when, when they will hear your, your sound preaching and they're going to listen, but there's going to be a day when they shift away from that and that word's going to be out of season and they, and they don't put up with it. They won't hear it. They don't want it. They won't put up with your sound teaching. They'll reject it. They'll not endure sound teaching. Now, what is this sound teaching? A sound teaching means healthy, sound doctrine. And healthy, sound doctrine convicts of sin. Right? God's Word, when, when listened to and when properly taught, convicts of sin. Specifically, verse 2, it reproves, because that's how Timothy was to preach the Word. That's how pastors are supposed to preach the Word. Preach the Word, because the Word in verse 2 reproves, rebukes, it exhorts. In chapter 3, verse 16, we learn that it's good for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And that's healthy doctrine. And this healthy doctrine, this teaching that convicts of unrighteousness is going to be rejected by those who are not true believers. And those who reject the truth do something very unwise, like a man with a serious illness after receiving a diagnosis from his doctor telling him he's got a serious case of of cancer, a serious problem that he needs to be dealing with right away, schedules him for a Monday morning surgery and says, if we get right on this on Monday, we can we can conquer this thing. I'm 99% confident you be there Monday where you're in serious shape. And the guy goes home and schedules a cruise, a vacation, and goes away somewhere else on Monday. What would you say about a person like that? you say, that's foolish, right? See, sound teaching means healthy doctrine, and the person who, who takes it at one point and starts to reject it, that's foolish. 
But even though what they do isn't wise at all, they're going to believe that what they really want is more wise than listening to the sound, healthy teaching of the Word of God. They're not going to call it that, of course. They're not going to think it's the sound doctrine, the sound, healthy teaching that they need, but they'll reject it thinking they need something different, something more palatable, something watered down and more tasteful. But if they won't endure sound teaching, what will they endure? Think about it. If they, if they don't want sound teaching, what is it they do want? Verse 3, look at it. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. To suit their own passions, their own desires. They're going to pile up teachers for themselves that, that make them feel good about themselves. And, and what they're going to endure is, is being told what's pleasing to their ears. They're going to heap up for themselves the teachers who make them feel good about being right where they are in Sin, living just the way they are. Don't want to be confronted with sin because that's, that's telling me I'm wrong and I need to change. That's the way the attitude's going to be. John MacArthur notes that professing Christians, professing Christians, nominal believers, those believers in name only in the church, follow their own desires and flock to preachers who offer them God's blessings apart from His forgiveness and his salvation apart from their repentance. They have an itch to be entertained by teachings that will produce pleasant sensations and leave them with good feelings about themselves. Their goal is that men preach according to their own desires. Under those conditions, people will dictate what men preach rather than God dictating it by his word. He goes on to say this, uh, this, uh, he's going to illustrate his point here. He says, within the large framework of professing Christendom, a small remnant of true believers eagerly hear sound teaching. But some of the lost in the professing church support such things as homosexual and feminist causes. There is even a so-called Bible that has removed masculine references to God to avoid offending feminist beliefs. The lost whether outside or inside the professing church, refuse to hear God's teaching about controversial issues such as the woman's role, homosexuality, or abortion. They won't tolerate strong biblical teaching because it confronts and refutes their errors and calls for their obedience. By adopting the ways of the world, much of the professing church has become corrupt and perverse. Apart from a dramatic change, the pressure will continue to intensify against those who speak the truth. And he is right. We see it all over today's society. We see it throughout many churches today. If people don't hear what they'd like to hear, they're going to begin to dictate what they want to hear and go find teachers who suit their own passions and comfort them in their sins. We're talking about people who are unbelievers who at one time heard the truth and are now saying, eh, it's not for me. I'll take something else, please. And if their pastor won't become a, a, a man pleaser, so to speak, who, who pleases them and gives them what tickles their ears, they're going to go somewhere else. And sadly, there are others who will preach what they want to hear. And Paul says in verse 4, they will, verse 4, look at it with me, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Where do you go without a road map? Okay, some of you have a tom-tom, right? Where do you go without your tom-tom, your, your GPS thing? Where do you go without it? 
if you don't know where you're going, you have no clue, right? You go anywhere. You, you just never know where you might wind up. They're going to turn away, without their roadmap of truth, they're going to turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And these people who are going to wander off into myths, actually, they have hearts with rocky soil. Remember the parable of the sower, the the seed quickly springs up, but when they begin to face the testing of their superficial faith, the, the world in, in the world, when, it, when things get hot and the heat turns up and their superficial faith faces the fire, they quickly fall away. In the parable of the sower, Jesus spoke of the rocky soil, Matthew 13, verses 5 and 6. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but... When the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And verses 20 and 21 is, As for what was sown on a rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, get it? Tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. What happens? To a false believer, when persecution comes because of what they say they believe in the word, they fall away. And once people fall away from the word of truth, they'll believe any lie. It's not that a person who rejects God's word believes nothing. It's that they will believe anything. And if you don't think that's so, listen to what David Guzik writes. He says, how about this for a lie? Our destiny, when we die, is to make it through a series of heavens and afterlifes until one day we become God over our own planet, like Elohim is God over Earth, living on a planet named Kolob. When we are gods over our own planets, we spend the rest of eternity, have celestial relations with a harem of goddess wives, producing spirit babies to populate the Earth we are God over. David Guzik says, Joseph Smith and the Mormons have turned aside to fables. And we know of others, right? We know of many who have turned aside to fables, to falsehoods, to myths. Because it's not that they don't believe anything at all. They'll believe anything when you quit believing the truth. But those kinds of folks that we we are broken over when we hear of them going out and witnessing in our community because they don't have the truth and they don't preach the truth. That breaks my heart. They aren't the only ones. I'm here to challenge you today that they aren't the only ones who have itching ears. I think Herb Vanderluck puts it well when he says, I'm afraid that I too have itching ears. I love to hear strong affirmations of biblical standards and sound doctrine, but I don't like to be confronted with scriptures about prideful, self-righteous attitudes or lack of love for others. Undoubtedly, all of us have this malady. We need to ask the Lord to search our hearts and forgive us. He can change us so that we will listen to what his word says and obey it. That's the only antidote for itching ears. 
You want medicine for itching ears, and we all tend to have them. I think he's right. We all tend to have those itching ears because we don't really like having our toes stomped on with the truth. Obey the truth. That's the remedy. That's the antidote. That's the salve for your ears. You do need the truth, and you need to obey it. I need the truth, and I need to obey it. Obey the truth. And having been told that there will be those who reject the truth, we ought, we ought not be surprised. We ought not be shocked that it happens. But we ought to be better equipped. We ought to be prepared. The fact that people will reject the truth of God's Word ought to challenge us to know it all the more so that we can defend His truth and point them to the truth. We ought to be challenged to defend God's Word so that people will hear the Word and be confronted with the truth so that they might repent of their sin and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. Just like you need to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation if you've never done so. If you're hearing me today and you're hearing the Gospel today and you're beginning to think, you know what, maybe I could be the the person with itching ears who, who... You know, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not really listening because I don't really care about the truth. I'm here to plead with you. Trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. He will save you from your sin and He will give you His Holy Spirit to help you live in obedience to His Word. You need the Word. I need the Word. So love God's Word. Love it. With everything you have, prepare yourself to hear it preached. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word preached. Encourage the preaching of the Word. Prepare yourself to defend God's Word. Most of all, obey. Obey God's Word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. How grateful, how grateful I am for the truths of your word. But God, my life doesn't show it at times, and I, that I confess. I, I repent of my sin of itching ears. When I, when I hear your word and I see your word and I, I hear what it says and I choose to disobey, God, please do a work in my heart. God, I pray for your people this morning as we hear the word preached, as we open the book for ourselves and read the word. God, would you convict us of sin in our hearts? When we have unloving attitudes, when we have actions and speech and conduct that betray your truths, God, I pray, convict us of sin. Help us to not have those itching ears that that won't put up with the truth, but God, give us a hunger and thirst that's almost impossible for us to be satisfied until we come and hear the preaching of the word. God, I pray that as a church we would insist on the preaching of the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would never quit until you return. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to love those with whom we find have a, have a problem with the word, who have the itching ears or who reject the truth. And God, I pray that you'd give us patience and help us to teach and help us to be able to correct and instruct but God help us to know your word so that we're well equipped help us to be faithful students of your word but not just so that we can help correct others but so that we ourselves will be corrected in our very thinking in our speech in the way that we 
love one another or fail to. God, teach us and help us obey and help us to honor you in the way that we live so that others might know you, know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior as they realize they need to confess their sin, repent and obey. God, help us to be a church that obeys for God's glory, for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.